Hey there, and welcome to Blazing the Path, hosted by Rob Hetherington. This is a Portland Trailblazers podcast by a fan for the fans. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Cavalier Central, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At the Buzzer. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome back everyone to episode 8 of Blazing the Path. Lots to go over today. Got a special guest, Keith from Trailcasters here with Joel and I. How you doing, Keith? Good, good. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. Really excited. Uh, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. I'm glad we could make it work. Oh, certainly, man. You ready to talk some Blazers basketball? Yes, sir. Yeah, let's do it. So, had a, had a very eventful week full of, full of highs and lows. Of course, the offense keeps rolling for the Blazers, and the defense is, is more woeful on that end. Started the week with... Uh, Got to give Joel a shout out. He was he was spot on with his prediction. He said two and two, I believe, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. Started off against the Rockets. You know, um, they they held them under 120 points, which is saying something for this year. But um, it just they couldn't get it done in the end. And and you know that that's a game you hate to see them lose because it's against it's against a playoff competitor in the West. But um, you got to love the effort from the whole team to, to make up for, you know, Nurkic and CJ being out. And uh, you got to love Covington, you know, was out for that game. DJJ played a great game on defense. Um, they're making the strides. Then following that, we have the, the win against the Bulls, some Dame Magic going down. Ooh, boy. After that, after that, the Bucks. Um, had a thrashing of the Blazers, which, you know, isn't, isn't too much of a surprise with with uh, this Bucks team, what they have put together, and then an well, impressive win against the Wizards. Well, 79 in the first half was a bit of a shock. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And then we have the impressive win against the Wizards. So we got a, a lot of a lot to cover. A lot of exciting things have happened in the NBA as far as just the league as a whole and with the Blazers. So 
Yeah, I would just like to point out I'm 4-0 against the money line for those of you that are interested in betting. Um, (laughs) I'm starting now. I'm going to keep track of my record the rest of the year on the money line because obviously recording once a week, some of those spreads aren't posted. But money line advice on the Blazers, I'm here for you. Do you just kind of follow it and see what like kind of like most people play like fantasy football and basketball and like kind of just hope for the best or do you actually do you actually bet? I do. uh, I don't bet on basketball. Um, football will be wrapping up soon. Um, I just give advice as a coach. I don't like to bet on it. Um, but like I said, advice against the money line, I'm four and Um, that's the only plug I'm giving myself and I will be honest and transparent <laughs> the rest of the season. Oh, here we go. Hey, Keith, I, take I know no advice. That, that sounds like a, a, that's good odds, man. A good record so far. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Keith, Keith I know you get into some betting with trail casters. Have any yes, luck lately? Uh, lately I've, I, I'm, I'm probably about, let, let's say optimistically I'm about even, uh, you should look at my man Ty though. Um, one of my co-hosts, he is the kind of like what you're saying. Um, but yeah, Joel, you, you should get my man Ty, uh, on trailcasters cause he has the numbers. He kind of follows, like you said, and his record has been pretty good on, on the, uh, on betting the money lines. We're starting to get into a little more of this, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a. I, I will uh, optimistically say that I'm uh, breaking even. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, only, the thing that affects the most, I think, is the cap because with um, the NBA pioneering the sports betting, um, they obviously factored that into the deal with a chance um, that obviously helps the cap. And without the China money coming in, I think we're going to need that as it goes. Oh, absolutely. It, it'll be interesting to see how the NBA makes that revenue that they're missing. Because you know they're going to try. Oh, they are trying. I mean, you know, uh, we, I'm not sure if you guys are wanting to touch on the All-Star game or not and all those plans, but they're trying. They're doing what they can. Yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting. De'Aaron Fox said it sounds stupid, but, you know, they're going to try and do it, try and get some TV ratings. Um, you know, seeing what the NFL did probably did not have great ratings for uh, a Madden Pro Bowl played by uh, – some former and current players, but uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully they'll they'll give a little bit of a better effort than that. If they do go ahead and do it, I think it's looking like March or April. But uh, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm. It's this whole season is obviously tough, man. It, it's obviously a strange year, um, unprecedented, and everything else you would say about it. But yeah, this uh, it's it's strange. The All Star Game. I don't mean to be too negative. It does just seem like a bit of a money grab, though, when you consider the 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 stress we've already had having games on, and you know the All Star Game. Really, I I'm not sure if you guys would agree. I it's it's an event for the fans, and so to have this without fans there seems strange. And I can't imagine they would actually have you know people packing the stands in in the building uh, at this point right now. So it's it's an odd situation. It's it's just, it's obviously you want to see basketball. Obviously you don't want to cheat. Uh, let's say a certain class of players out of out of their All Star game. And you know either way we would still have the the voting itself. We'd have All Star ranks. Uh, but you know do they need to have the game in there instead of letting kind of players have their own own time off maybe with families? Do the, do we need to have a three point contest and a dunk contest that has kind of been hinted at? Uh, it's I don't know. I'm I'm curious what's going to happen. I'm curious how it'll how it will go down, but it does seem like they're pressing forward with it at this point. Well, in the most 2020 way, they should just do it, um, use the events, 
and do it via Zoom that night to make it just extra special. So every, you know, say um, DJ Jay's doing it for the Blazers, he would do his dunks from the Blazers facility um, because then they would allow some of that time. I think the game, I think I agree with Keith, the game's 100% for the fans. All-Star Weekend's a great event for the fans, and obviously some stadiums are allowing um, with LeBron getting the couple fans kicked out in South Beach the other night. There are fans (laughs) returning back. Obviously, you know, when you think of the dunk contests and all the different moments, whether it's Dwight Howard, Vince Carter, you know, guys through the years, it's always the fan reaction that makes that stuff so special. And if you've got 4,000 fans in a 15,000 stand arena, it's not going to be very special um i think you could you know if you're wanting to do it for tv do it via zoom or whoever the official sponsor of the telecast is um and go from there but with games being canceled the wizards obviously had a good 11 days off um a few weeks ago um and games are getting postponed i think that just causes a lot more stress at a time where guys would rather be at home um or getting that time off a little bit as the road as we've, as we've talked about before rob is a little more treacherous treacherous this year with the restrictions of what players can do when they're in different cities certainly and and to go off of what keith said it's very unlikely that they're going to have fans at any all-star game you also, you know, run into the the factor of with being an NBA arena. There's no ventilation like at you know football games with open domes. Right. Um, everyone's pretty much in a cesspool of whatever they're coming in with <laughs> with illnesses and whatnot, known or unknown. Um, you, you've got to imagine a lot of fans are crazy enough to go to games with the flu anyway um, to see their team play, um, and a lot of people could have COVID and not even know it. Um, right, you run into right. a lot of issues, and then you run into, of course, if there is an all-star game, they've all just been in entirely different areas, exposed to yeah. entirely different circumstances. Who knows what they're going into that, that all-star game with. Um, I like your idea, Joel, to you know do the dunk contest from separate locations. That That's brilliant, man, because dunk contest, three-point contest, and then um, that the skills challenge, which doesn't seem like the players take that one too seriously, but the other ones, you know, a little <laughs> bit more so, um, absolutely could do it from separate locations. They have the equipment, you know what I mean, the the, the shooting gun and everything for the skills challenge, um, and then you run into with obviously the dunk contest. Um, I, I'd be interested to see how the judges played it. It'd be very comical to say the least to see, you know, like um, the usual judges. Uh, probably the guys from TNT, uh, NBA and TNT and whatnot. Um, and there's the dunk, and then you just see it it shift over to the scores, and it's just like ten different people all on the same Zoom. Um, it'd be <laughs> it'd be a little bit like the Brady Bunch, but I think it'd be a cool change for this year to adapt. And I think a lot of people would tune in. People usually yeah. tune into those, and and it'd be different this year. So maybe that and more people, you know, are at home with nothing to do that. It'd probably get good ratings, so it'd be interesting. <laughs> well, if they really want, want to drive the ratings, what they could do is have their usual judges and then have fans go through the NBA app and have theirs, and they get an average of the player's score. Um, 
for like there's like two minutes you know like 30 seconds to vote and then they just have the algorithm run the average score for that you know 30 seconds so you know judges score judges score judges score fans score so the average fan score obviously math if it's above a 9.5 it's a 10 if it's below whatever it happens to be the fan vote could be Dude. factored in and that could actually drive some ratings um Listen and if adam this. silver wants to talk to me more about this plan i am available <laughs> seriously joe i was gonna say like i even your last comment i think you were right on the money as far as just bringing up doing this over zoom just like they tried to do with the uh the three-point contest and dunk contest before right where they did it remotely and it wasn't the best but they've done it once and you feel like they could probably do it better a second time around right i love this idea and then you throw that in about the fan vote that's this is brilliant i don't know why they don't do it that way it would be safer for everyone and honestly that's the other big factor in my mind, we, we've seen the NBA be kind of a good example for the public. And now more than ever before, I feel like that's something you really want. You, you, you want more than them just pursuing the, you know, the bottom line a little bit, the bottom dollar for it. But yeah, Joel, let's, uh, let's get Adam Silver on the line here. Let's have him join the cast and see if we can get him talking about, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the remote three point and dunk contest. Cause that's really what people watch for anyway, right? The all-star game, like if you couldn't play the five on five, that wouldn't be the worst situation in the world. People tune in for the three point dunk contest though. Mm-hmm. And those are the events that you can, re- you know, obviously you don't get the whole weekend, but I think you meet the players halfway. I think you'd get more players. I mean, maybe you can get a LeBron or somebody that usually wouldn't be in the dunk contest because they there we go. To, you know, they're taking the rest and they're already committed to a lot that weekend. If you could get some of those elite players, you know, that, like what could Kawhi do in a dunk contest? What could, you know, a Kemba Walker, some of those guys, a Jason Tatum, if you get the star stars like it used to be back Back in the 90s, you know, I just keep going back to Vince Carter because that's my favorite dunk contest moment. Um, <laughs> but you get those special moments with Michael Jordan. You get, you know, Dwight Howard, even when Gerald Green blew out the cupcake. You get some of that cool stuff. And, like, obviously oh, then you could make sure the camera works impeccable because you could tell the guys ahead of time, hey, this is what I'm going to do so they can get the right angle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, you just have it in the facility. And then, by the, you know, you wrap up at whatever time. You know, on the West Coast here, it's probably, you know, nine o'clock local, midnight Eastern. You know, those guys are having a glass of wine and, and they're going back to their couch and they're getting the regular sleep, treatment, et cetera. Well, I mean, look, too, when when they did this last time remotely, uh, the three point in the dunk contest, the biggest problem we had was that it was at people's houses, different kind of yards, different setups. One person in their driveway where another had like an entire basketball court in their backyard. Uh, we have one person where it's like a, a small child holding the camera running around versus someone else <laughs> who has this camera stationed on a, on a stool, right? So it's, yeah, if you, again, Joel, you mentioned right off the bat, you do this in the team facility where each player is playing from. You could do the three point and dunk participants in that facility safely with plenty of space. This is a great idea, and I wish the NBA would bite on this. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll update everybody next week if I uh, get a little call from Adam Silver. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Heard it coming, here first. Man. All right, so transitioning to some some talk about the Blazers, what they've got going on. You know, um, definitely a lot going on within the organization right now. Um, Fans on Twitter have turned to their usual um, antics for the Blazers of calling out Terry Stotts, unfortunately, um, and you know calling for his head and whatnot. I don't think we're that to that point yet. What do you guys think? Uh, you want to jump in on this, Rob, first because I, I feel like if I get started, I'm going to go on a rant, and I, I might not be able to be stopped. 
Yeah, go ahead, Rob. What's your take here? I'm I'm curious to hear. Oh, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> I said Robert Joe. I'm horrible without a camera in front of me. I apologize. <laughs> so no, I really I really don't see anything that Terry Stotts can do um, to to help with the defense. They lost Nurkic and Zach Collins, who were defensive staples. Um, the only free agent it looks like would help on the defensive end right now is Damari Carroll. And um, I just don't see him contributing um, to this team right now as if they were to pick him up. And it's just kind of make do with what you have right now. Um, there have also been calls that Damian Lillard is, again, you know, wasting his prime. I really don't think that's the case. I think when they get Nurk and CJ back, things are going to be drastically different. You know, we're looking at since they lost Nurkic, 124.6 points per 100 possessions and second worst in the league off not not by much to the worst team in the league on defense right now in the last two weeks um when Nurkic plays the whole energy around this team seems to be different maybe you guys uh, agree or disagree on that but I just think Nurkic they really rally around and I think when he's back in now six to seven weeks hopefully um it's really going to be a different team again and they're gonna have that that starting lineup they wanted at the beginning of the year and we'll really get to see that and be able to judge that i think so i i mean Nurkic is obviously being missed on both ends but i can recall Nurkic just being killed in pick and roll coverage repeatedly um since he's been with the blazers and been healthy i don't think he's the answer i you know i think you know, you mentioned that they're going to ride it out. I, I think one thing that should mention, I'm not upset with Damian Lillard, but he's got a lot of money tied up in his contract, and that is part of it. Obviously, the injuries on top of it. But, you know, in the NBA, there's a trade deadline, and, you know, we're not even close to it. Um, if you want to get better, you can. It's just going to be how aggressive do they want to be. Or, you know, we can, I guess, Damian Lillard wasting his prime. I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's unfortunate, absolutely, that guys are injured. However, with the amount of money the Supermax that he took, and deservedly so, is one of the top um, point guards in the game right now. I'm not upset, but I think there's part of what's handcuffing Terry Stotts. I think Terry Stotts has been consistent um, as he's been here a long time. They've been consistently good making the playoffs. Um, this year, if they would have been healthy, I think we'd have a slightly different conversation. Um, I think right now it's, you know, making a move, firing Terry Stotts right now on February 4th. What does that get you, you know, other than just messing up the rest of the season? Um, you know, some right. Blazers fans on Twitter can calm on that. Has he done, you know, <laughs> it, can we do better on defense? Yeah, but at this level, as in my belief is, if you're a lead athlete, it's going to come down to how hard you want to play. Um, and in the NBA, the guys that are getting paid the most are going to play the most, um, unless they're absolutely being like James Harden um, was in Houston, where that obviously was a completely different situation. But, you know, with the money they spend on those guys, they just got to get healthy, ride the storm. Hopefully Dame can continue to play at an elite level, averaging just shy of 30 points a game, um, hitting game winners, things like that. It's going to be heavy lifting for him for the next, you know, four weeks until they can get a little reinforcements. Um, and I think the schedule, looking at it now, they've got, you know, great opportunity the way the schedule lines up. Obviously, the 76ers tonight is going to be challenging. We can get into it a little bit later. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, what this or what. Um, 
Keith, I'm curious to hear uh, hear your thoughts on Terry Stotts. We can get a little rant going here. What do we got? Yes, no, I, I've I've taken a deep breath. I've I've had a moment to kind of center, center myself. Uh, you know, have a Zen moment here. Uh, yeah, the, the the Twitter stuff about Stotts is too much, man. And we've heard this uh, in past years when the team is not doing well when they're going through a rough patch. And honestly, this seems to come up again and again when there's injuries going on. This is not a thing you can blame on Stotts. I will say. Uh, Rob, you mentioned the defense. That is a huge issue. We pull in players like Robert Covington and Derek uh, Derek Jones Jr. You expected, I expected much more from the defense than we've seen so far. That said, I feel like we were starting to see things come together before the team or before the roster fell apart. Uh, you lose a player like Nurkic. Uh, I agree completely with what you're saying that when he comes back, it changes what this team does. And when when he went down, obviously CJ is important as well. But when Nurk went down, that I feel like was the real kind of, you know, maybe the uh, uh, just a, a psychological blow to the team where he just came back after dealing with injuries. Same thing with Zach, where he was injured, comes back, gets injured again. Uh, but Zach doesn't have the level of impact that Nurk does, and so it, that that is a rough spot. I, I think maybe hurting fans more than anything, and fans look to lash out, especially on social media. And as always, an easy scapegoat is the coach. Uh, Stotts has his issues on defense. I would love if he pulled in a defensive assistant coach or associate coach. I guess is who they call it up here, not assistant anymore. Uh, but to fire Stotts, anyone who brings this up, just tell me who you're going to replace him with. Who out? Who is? What coach is available that's going to come to Portland and do a better job than uh, Stotts? Who I, I believe we were looking at this the other day when we were um, podcast when I was podcasting with Ty and Chad on our last episode. Uh, Stotts is arguably the most winning uh, coach that the Blazers have ever had, if not you know second or third, uh, depending on which metric you're using. Uh, you know, like looking at percentage, looking at time here. Um, the problem has been that he definitely seems to be a player's coach. He doesn't, we've heard all these comments in the last uh, couple days or week about accountability. I think Stott said accountability is a catchphrase. He believes more that it's about education or teaching and coaching, not education, essentially, you know, same thing. But the idea that accountability is a catchphrase that's ridiculous to me you players need to be accountable and it's a coach's job to do so or to hold them so but uh he definitely that that's his mindset he's never been you know a fiery halftime speech kind of guy he said they don't work he's been more of the guy that kind of lets the players have the room and maybe tries to gently nudge them in the direction you want them to go so uh joel like you said this is going to come down to the players and their hustle how much effort they're putting in and you know again the concern we've seen on defense they're not always putting in the most effort uh or hustle so you know it's hard with the lineup changing uh defense especially is difficult when you don't know who you're playing next to more than just knowing but like intrinsically knowing who you're playing next to but we've got to see better than they've given us so far uh or we're just going to see a lot of play from the young guys and hopefully some nice development among Gary and Ant and Harry and the rest. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing that if, you know, if if coach Stotts was asking me, I think at watching the games is they just need to control the basketball um, that starts in transition. You know, obviously it's easy when you get, when you give up 80 points in in a half, it's easy to nitpick, but even against, you know, the wizards and um, excuse me, who the, in the, 
the Bulls, like they got Kobe White was just out of. I mean, he was just dominating the game, playing really and well. Marketing. Um, and then you're getting blow bys, and then that leads to that easy dunk on the rotation. And if you know, and that comes down to effort. But just the, the simplest thing is just control the basketball, especially in transition. To quote Stan Van Gundy, build a wall. Um, <laughs> But you've got to get the ball, especially, you know, playing against the Bucks when it could be Giannis or Chris Middleton bringing it up. DiVincenzo, like, those guys are dangerous looking to make the plays for others. Um, we got to get the basketball under control, and that's, you know, it, that doesn't rely on Dane, but that relies on the closest guy and a high level of communication, attention, detail, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it comes down to how much effort and communication you want to put into that play and consistently doing it and getting a couple stops in a row and taking pride in it. It's funny you bring up Stan Van Gundy because to go off of uh, what Keith was saying, you know, what's our what's our next best option if they fire Stotts? Um, the other Van Gundy brothers, the only person that comes to mind of who is even like in the coaching conversation right now. So I think Ugh. I think we're good with <laughs> I think we're good with Stotts. But um, off of what you said, Joel, you know, and it does come down to like who really wants to play and. Um, I really think, you know, you look at the, the Rockets game and even the Bulls win, um, they're doing what they, what's been kind of their cancer the last two years, dating even back to when they got swept by the Warriors in the conference finals. Um, they were leading all four of those games, and they blew the lead because they don't have the defensive poise. And then you look at this year, it's, it's rearing its ugly head again. They had an early, you know, 20-point lead against the Rockets, um, and usually they're trying to claw their way back into games with these Western Conference teams that are up there. You know, not not so much elite like the Nuggets and uh, Clippers and Lakers, but even when they're playing those teams, they're usually trying to claw their way back in. And then in that game and the Bulls game, they had a comfortable lead, and the defense could just not hold it up. The offense played great both games, and then you just see the defense in that third and fourth quarter just giving up bonkers runs of like you know 15 or 10 0 runs around that margin and you know you have to ask who's who's really going to step up if terry stotts like you said keith um kind of holds the players to really hold themselves accountable who's going to do that and i think who we've seen do it recently is gary trent jr he's shown he's hungry and ready to play on both ends of the court night in and night out that guy lights a fire under this team. I think he contributes on the defensive end when he's out there. But when he's not out there, that shooting guard position is gets exposed. Um, the point guard position, no offense to Dame, but just gets exposed some nights. Um, someone like Kobe White should not be exposing Dame, um, a tenured point guard. I understand Kobe White's on the come up, but it's just if you see that he's been an issue and he's got a hot hand, you got to close out on that shot. You got to get up there, man. And I think that's the thing with Dame is he's so used to these injuries and things. He's already in the mindset of just survive till Nurk and CJ get back. And if right. he would put his nose to the grindstone, I think he improved over the offseason on defense. And I think he he could have, you know, uh, we mentioned on the last episode, I got a little bit into, you know, if James Harden can improve on D, anyone can. And I think Damian <laughs> Lillard. I think Damian Lillard, the one thing, what's the one thing he always does each offseason? He adds another level to his game, and he makes sure it's consistent. Well, the only real thing he could have added this offseason, well, he added the deeper threes. He said that's going to be happening more. But I think the other thing 
that it seems like he's worked on is his defense. It's just a matter of when he holds himself accountable on defense. He's usually talking about the offense. I don't know if you guys catch like the after-game interviews and whatnot, um, but it just kind of seems like lately he's been talking about the offense, and the offense has no problems. He doesn't need to waste his breath on that. So hopefully, you know, they don't have um, – and then even going on from the Rockets and, and Bulls games, when they played the Bucks, they have known shooters that they've surrounded Giannis with. Um, and then the Wizards have Bradley Beal and Bertans and a couple other random dudes that can shoot threes. And they're just allowing them to shoot 50% from three every night, no matter who they're playing. Um, and, you know, they've got this game against the Sixers tonight, which which will probably be a highlight of this podcast going over. It's, it's a big game. It can really affect the standings in the West. You know, Blazers are right around that 5-10 to 10 seed. Um, they could move up a lot if they could beat this team. But, you know, that'll, that'll come a little bit later. Just wanted to touch on a little bit that, um, another team that, you know, has shooters that they've surrounded Simmons and Embiid with. And uh, um, the Blazers could be in for hurting if they if they don't step up and hold themselves accountable. Um, and, and that brings me to the question of who you guys um, think can really bring this team to the forefront, a better defensive standing um, as a team at the power forward and center position if Cantor can't do it. Uh are we talking about uh, off roster? Or are you talking about someone uh, someone else stepping up here? Either one, <laughs> just something <laughs> I, to give Blazers fans hope. I'm I'm preferring not to go off roster. I, I think as far as giving fans hope, we need to be looking at uh, development, developing some of these young guys. Uh, and I, again, I, and I feel like it's it's hard to even think of him as a critical part of this because he's been on the sideline for so long now. But it would really help to have Zach Collins out here at this point because this is when he could be getting big minutes. Uh, a lot of development in there, but who we have seen kind of step up at that position, not quite as big, but uh, Nasir Little, I was so stoked the other night uh, against the Bucks, seeing him drop his career-high 30 points. Yes. Uh, I wish I could remember what the rest of his stats were, but he filled uh, it up, man. Boards and assists, threes, he had it going. Decent amount of rebounds and I think a couple blocks. Yeah, yeah, he, he had it going on, man. And we hear a lot about Gary Trent and Anthony Simons Jr., both of whom have done amazing gary has come out of nowhere and uh has, has just blown me away with how well he's playing and the drive and the fire that he always seems to bring anthony simons has some spots that he's got to kind of tighten up i feel like uh where he just seems a little bit like deer in the headlights still not quite knowing how to react on the floor but dame has spoken like all confidence about about him and uh you know just giving the kid a chance kind of thing uh i just feel like nasir little has been kind of in the background for a while and seeing him put up those points against the bucks the other night when we didn't have other players when this guy was you know kind of had an opening and could get some minutes could get some run uh that just really impressed me absolutely and just to piggyback on yeah nasir little's been playing well i think he's been a bright spot i think if harry giles can start to play better um i think he's going to see an increased role as he can produce um because he canter i don't know i mean he's a good vet nine years in he definitely is going to be seeing still more minutes but i mean he can he's he's tough to watch in stretches especially defensively um it goes back to a little bit you know with that and just not controlling the basketball i think rodney hood is he's getting a little more confident he had Couple good little mid range J's got a little got himself going. Anthony Simons is young, and there's going to be we're going to watch the growth here over these next few weeks. And I think you know 
that is probably a big time bright spot for the organization. Same with Gary Trent Jr. He's been playing extremely well, played well in the bubble. Um, you know, as a second round pick, that's obviously a steal. Um, you know, and somebody that worked out well. And the Blazers have drafted well um, historically. Obviously, Dame CJ, um, Derek Gary Trent Jr., you know, um, Zach Collins, other, you know, good players. They've got a history doing that. Enos Cantor originally um, as well. So I think, you know, seeing what Anthony Simons has is going to be great. Um, and I'm hoping as um, that Keith said, there's times obviously where he's a little lost um, offensively and defensively, but Dame's spoken, you know, good things. I think he's obviously been working for an opportunity um, as in his second year here. So, um, moving forward, it's going to be guys, guy, you know, there's opportunity, you know, minutes are opportunity and there's plenty of opportunity out there right now. Um, and especially if you're going to be an elite ball defender, I think Gary Trent Jr. has been well at times of staying in front and really getting down um, and doing some good work there. So Rodney Hood, um, another guy that I thought has been defensively pretty stout, getting a couple steals, deflections, things of that nature. Well, and, uh, Sorry, Rob, not trying to jump in on, on you before you get in here, too. I'm just, uh, uh, you mentioned Harry Giles. Uh, I would love to see more from that guy, man. He, he's, he's had a game where I almost feel like he's, uh, trying too hard at times. Like he's just maybe not reacting quick enough or, or reacting too quick. But if he can get the game tightened up, I feel like he's, he's got so much potential as a passing big man and just really athletic. Uh, but honestly, I, I think until these injuries have, have kind of freed up all of these minutes, I think one of the other things that uh, has kind of been standing in the way was someone else in that forward position that we're talking about was, has been mellow. Uh, it's not that I, <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, if you guys have heard Chad and I argue about this on Trailcasters, uh, <laughs> which happens quite frequently recently, but uh, mellow is in a spot where he's a veteran player. He, he's earned his minutes uh, and his, his spot in the rotation and whatnot, but he, in my opinion, He's getting as many shots as Gary on most nights. And uh, until the last game, until the game uh, against the Bucks the other night, the five before that, he had shot like, he basically had hit 10 points a game on 24% shooting. And is that kind of thing where (laughs) if if we're giving minutes to him, that's just, that's time where you could have Gary Trent uh, given more of these back-to-back 20-point games we saw uh, against OKC and then uh, uh, Houston on the road when they first started out. or, you know, like we're, we're talking about Nasir Little. He had the career game against Milwaukee the other night. He's hardly had minutes before this. Imagine if he could get a little more of a chunk taken out of what Melo is getting. Uh, I feel like that's, you know, again, just, you know, we're kind of on the, the tangent of the young guys. I feel like that's kind of one of the biggest roadblocks right now is what Melo's role is with this team. If the team, if, if these injuries are piling up and, you know, maybe we're having to kind of coast through here. Should he have the same spot? Should he maybe be kind of, a, you know, given some time to ice and rest for a bit? I love that you guys both brought up, you know, Harry Giles. Um, and how do you guys feel about him on the defensive end? Is there any is there any stock that you guys have taken in, in watching him on the defensive end? He seems like a big question mark on that end to me. I, I love him. I, I, I think, again, I, I said he was athletic. I think uh, we've seen him uh, with some help side blocks already this season. Uh and again, you know, if we're comparing him to what Canner is going to give us defensively, oh. give me more Giles. <laughs> I'll, I'll take you know, and you know, to be fair too, Canner like Mello is a veteran player. If we're looking to win games, 
veteran experience counts for something. And he may not be the best defensive center, but he has a touch offensively that Nurk could really learn from. Uh, so he's got value there. But, you know, if we're not just trying to, if we're trying to coast here, if we're just trying to get, get through all these injuries, come back and maybe win a bunch in the back end, I want to see more uh, from the young players. And that would be uh, give, give Harry Giles those minutes. Yeah, and I think the balance that Terry Stotts is trying to find is the opportunity, but also winning games. Um, because I'm with you in terms of, you know, like like I mentioned, his canter isn't terrific, but and Harry Giles has done some good things. He also gets lost at times. Um, I think he's still figuring out the defensive three seconds um, in terms of how to time it and, you know, maybe just say 2-9 and maybe not get all the way out as that guy is starting to attack as you're stepping to the opposite weak side, um, things like that. But also, I mean, Carmelo, that's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, he's bonafide. He, and he has taken a lot of shots. I think that is part of the role that is being ironed out. Um, I think he was obviously best as that score with the second unit, but Gary Trent Jr. is also kind of starting to take up that role. Um, but I think, you know, Carmelo is going to be consistent in it. Gary Trent Jr. as of late has been, um, and we'll see if that continues. Yeah, and I, I just got to point out that uh, the Wizards the other night were 23 of 25 inside the paint scoring that's, on can and primarily on canter so Ugh. i just not not trying to call out cancer or anything like that and say replace him with giles immediately but i i have some hope this year in in one thing that's that starts one of the few things with him that i've really disagreed with over his tenure since you know i've been a follower of the blazers um since he started you know with dame and whatnot and um one, one thing i noticed is he doesn't try new things a lot and this year he's finally doing that because the injuries have just gotten so extreme. You know, we were talking about Nazir Little. Right after that game, there's questions if he'll keep playing, you know, the next few games because he's hurt. Roko was in concussion right. protocol. DJJ, I'm going to be honest with you, he missed games, and I don't even remember why he was, like, what his injury was. There's so many injuries <laughs> it's to this a team right foot, now. I believe. So it's just, it's just a whirlwind of injuries, and hopefully – Hopefully someone like Harry Giles, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the starting lineup tonight. I doubt it's going to happen, but <laughs> Embiid is going to be a monster on Cantor, and that just can't be allowed tonight. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, – have you guys seen the injury report for tonight? I don't believe I heard this mentioned yet. Mm-mm, I have not had a chance to check it out. There is kind of a significant one. Damian Lillard is out. Uh, so – Lillard is out with the abdominal strain as as well as DJJ and Nasir Little uh, all being listed as out. So the Blazers are down to nine players uh, for this evening's game against the 76ers and Joel Embiid. So, yeah. this. Uh, so go ahead and put me at 5-0 and against the money line. Take the Sixers <laughs> tonight. This might be a white flag kind of game. And, and again, it's it's it was funny. Um, we, we talked about this uh, earlier today. You never want to see the Blazers just kind of give in, right? You don't want to see them just, okay, we're facing the Sixers, just kind of throwing the towel, start, don't even start the starters kind of thing. But then it comes down that Lillard is injured and Senna's like, okay, maybe, you know, let's, let's maybe just kind of throw in the towel and let the young guys play. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but that, uh, that puts a pretty heavy, uh, uphill slope against us tonight. Yeah, my, I mean, I think as we were just talking about, we got to figure out what some of these young guys can do. I think that opens up, obviously, with Dame being out, that opens up a 
ton of minutes ton. Um, yes. because <laughs> as a guy that consistently plays, you know, plays through injury, things like that, I'm on a regular basis. He right. has a ton of minutes that that's going to open up Roko being out like. So, yeah, um, it's uh, run the point night here for the Blazers. And it'll be interesting to see how they compete um, ultimately. And we'll know more next week. And hopefully Dame's not out for extended periods of time because that will make it very, very challenging. Um, and that could make a little bit the later season become – you know, as the, the separation happens in the West, you know, playing a few games a week, three, you know, three bad weeks in a row that can, you know, in the West can be very up, up uphill battle to maintain your position and then stay within striking distance. Now, for the silver lining, Lillard and Nasir Little are both listed as day to day. So it's Little's knee uh, that is keeping him out tonight and Lillard's ab- abdominal strain. Jones, Derek Jones Jr., it is a foot strain or foot sprain, excuse me, uh, said strain earlier. Uh, and that one, he's listed as out. So I don't know if that's maybe a little more serious uh, of a timeline to deal with. But yeah, man, you got, we got six guys right now Dame, CJ Nurk, uh, Zach Collins, Derek Jones, and Nasir Little all out with injury, only nine healthy bodies. And that's not even, we're not even a team dealing with COVID. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, uh, thankfully for that, obviously, but yeah, that's, this is a, this is a crazy time. Uh, so yeah, tonight might be a bit of a rough one, but again, a good moment for us to get some of these, uh, some of these young guys out there. Uh, let's see 50 from Gary. Let's see 50 from Anthony Simons, uh, maybe and get another 20 or a double, double from, uh, Giles, uh, to go with Canner, Canner's double, double, you know, that's looking pretty good. We could beat the Sixers that way. Maybe possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe if they miss their flight <laughs> Yeah, there you or go. if they get hit a bad food cart before they head to the, head to the arena, that'd probably be. That definitely even the odds give them a chance. Yeah, but what you guys see um, moving forward here? I've got the next handful of games, and I think they've got you know, I think they've got a good chance to make a run. With you know, they play Sixers tonight. That's going to obviously be tough. But they got the Knicks and the Magic. Knicks on the road to finish up their road stretch. And then next week they go Magic, Sixers, Cavs. I mean, shoot. I kind of convinced myself they had a chance, but two out of the next three, um, Knicks and Magic would be a couple not easy wins, but have a couple have a chance. 76ers getting back at the crib a week from today. Um, and then the Cavaliers, who have been playing well, led by Colin Washington, say, well, up and down with Colin Sexton. Obviously, they beat the Brooklyn one night. I think they got beat by 30 last night by somebody. So um, the Cavaliers are hit and miss, but they got a little homestand coming up. Um, but where do you guys see? Um, are we still in playoff contention or are, is it time to toss in the whole white flag? Uh, I'm not sure if Rob was back yet. I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not tossing in the white flag on the season by any means. I do think this is going to be a rough stretch though. I, I think obviously tonight this is going to be a tough one, but maybe having Dame and Nasir on day to day status gives us a better chance to beat the Knicks, uh, on Saturday, right? Keeping them out for this one will be maybe a little bit healthier roster for that lineup, uh, or for that game. Um, and then, yeah, coming home against the Magic, you really hope, uh, that three game homestand between the Magic, the Sixers, and the Cavs, you hope that the Magic and the, and the Cavs are gonna, you know, 
give us some good uh some some good evenings there as far as uh, a Blazers outcome. But to face the Sixers again in the middle of that, the one silver lining you could say would be that it's going to be a different roster for us. We're going to have hopefully theoretically Dame and Nasir back in the lineup, so it'll be different than the you know the uh, potentially easy pickings they have to deal with tonight. Rob, where you at on it? We may have lost a Rob. No. Okay. Well, Cass was good for the first 41 minutes. <laughs> oh, technical difficulties are always fun, man. It's part of the show. It's it's part of the pod. The the number of... Uh, so I, I think Trailcasters, we're in our fourth year right now of uh, covering the Blazers, and it's gone from me and Brandon Goldner, shout out to him, uh, and then now myself and Ty Delbridge and Chad Helm. Uh, the... the I don't, I don't know the exact number of episodes. We're in the mid hundreds somewhere, I think. But, uh, I think only just this last, uh, episode was maybe our second one that we ever had to just kind of cancel because of technical difficulties. Like things just added up between timing and, you know, bad audio recordings, trying to get other people involved that have different setups, uh, trying to work out things on, uh, Zoom or Skype. Although, like I was telling you guys, I got to check out this cast setup you have here. Uh, what a nice uh, centralized system. I think we might be uh, might be testing, testing the waters over here and seeing how this goes. But, yeah, obviously technical difficulties exist everywhere, uh, and it's just, just part of the game. Absolutely. And um, So, Keith, are you local to Portland? You say you've been covering the Blazers here for four years. Yeah, uh, Trailcasters, we've been running for about four years, uh, and it's, it's just – it's been fun. We – We've uh, had some really good interviews with uh, different kind of uh, analysts and and such around the league, uh, but most recently we've been doing group chats where myself and my two co-hosts Chad and Ty we jump on and we have another uh, podcaster from another uh, you know Blazers Pod or elsewhere. We've had artists on. We've had you know just other kind of social media like Blazers uh, Rip Twitty or uh, all, all the all the Rip City Twitter kind of people uh, jump on and join us, but. It's, it's nice. You get a, a different kind of feel. It's more of almost kind of a post-game, post-game chat kind of feel. Uh, so it's, it's fun, especially right now when you can't get together with your, with your friends and talk get, uh, about the game in the same way. It's fun to be able to kind of have, you know, some good banter, some back and forth and, and a little loose that way. But, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of nice to get a little chat going with the buddies and say, Hey, man, we're all watching the same thing. What'd you see? Right. Um, but as we kind of approach these last 45 minutes, um, to I'll update you on my picks here. So get those. These are all against the spread. So okay, here tonight, we go. Taking notes. Um, the Blazers are going to, in my prediction, is they will lose the 76ers with that many guys out. They'll beat the Knicks. Um, actually, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to think they're going to drop one to the Knicks, and then they'll go – Went, beat the Magic at the crib once they get home on Tuesday, and then a week from today at the crib against the 76ers. I'm thinking they are also going to lose. Um, so that gives you for picks Sixers, Knicks, Blazers, 76ers, all against the money line. Um, hammer it, hammer it hard. You had my hopes up for a second when you were leading up to that final uh, Sixers pick. I was like, oh, is he going to say they turn it around? It's a get-well game? Uh, but no, I, I think you're probably right. The Sixers are doing well. Embiid is a monster right now. And it is sad because I, if this roster was healthy, imagine Nurkic going up against Embiid. Uh, different styles, but just two legit big men in the, in the modern NBA. And again, especially if you had Zach Collins and Melo trading time on the wing, you have... Uh, a healthy hood, a healthy 
uh, DJ and Roko and the rest of the lineup, we could have some serious firepower. It, it's it's unfortunate that we're going to miss out on a, a really good matchup against the Sixers twice in a week. Yeah, and that'll be the only time they play them all season. Um, right, yeah, no more so, games, damn. But, I mean, it's it's tough. And, I mean, the NBA is starting to get it's starting to get a little more balanced. Um, obviously, there's still your powerhouses. But some of those mid-level teams, I feel like the East is kind of up as of late. Um, there's a few more storylines story coming out of it. Um, I think the West, obviously, there's some stories that are not being told in terms of, I think, Utah. You wouldn't know they were the number one, over, you know, you wouldn't oh, think yeah. they the best, one of the best records in the NBA right now. You'd think that it was the Pelicans for as many times we have to watch them get blown out <laughs> on national TV. Um, but I think... I think the more you time you spend in the Western Conference, the, the to more uphill sledding. There's no easy outs, you know, on a consistent basis as it's been for several years now. But it's getting even tougher in the East because some of those teams now, obviously Brooklyn, um, that was a team that was never, or I shouldn't say never, but hadn't had a great pass. They had their year with Kenny Atkinson where they were the seven or eight seed and got in and played played well. Um, but some of those Eastern yeah. Conference teams, the Knicks are the Knicks. Ju- uh, Julius Randle's playing well. Um, R.J. Barrett's been playing well as of late. So there's going to be teams that are, you know, in Chicago's obviously without Dame's heroics. That was going to be one that was probably going to be dropped. I mean, I was watching the game here with my roommate, my buddy, and we were just kind of like, man, this is going to be a tough one. Until you no, can't lose crazy. this one, even though it's on the road. But that's a game you got to win. And thankfully, Dame came to the rescue. Yeah, that that let's let's touch on that real quick, man. Because I had the same kind of experience. I'm here watching at home with my wife and two dogs on the couch, and watching this lead slip away, watching it go downhill. I was get like when I think when they had about eleven, it was before the eleven second mark. It was right before Dame hit that first three. But I was saying to my wife Abby, uh, who loves basketball as much as I do, uh, but obviously she puts up with me about all this, but she also has other shows that we're into watching. And so I was starting to say to her, okay, you know, so what do you feel like watching? Let's just move on. I'm not going to, you know, get angry and, and rage about a, a bad Blazers loss. Dame hits that three with like 11 seconds to go as she's picking up the remote. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, you got to wait. And you're just trying to think like, wait, can we do this? And the clock, I think even the clock was down to eight before the next play started, but that whole sequence was incredible. Uh, that was a, a fun game to get back and you know there were some other things you said that I was going to touch on but I completely lost track because I just got uh absorbed in in reminiscing about Dame's magic right there <laughs> yeah no and I think you know Zion they run the Pelicans that's my one my one hammer every week is the Pelicans are on national television way too much for as average to below average as they are you know and I think the NBA obviously wants Zion to be really good and I, th- I hope he is um I wouldn't I I'm not sold. I think his athleticism, the more he plays, guys are going to find tendencies and things. Similar, you know, obviously, I'm not going to compare him to Jeremy Lin necessarily, but how similar to how Jeremy Lin went on that unreal run and then um, kind of went and fizzled out. I don't think he's going to go on that, but I think he will level out. Um, and one thing that it, you know, I think, to his credit, he does well is he puts up consistent stats. In this, in the modern day NBA, is very, very friendly to that. I mean, you're looking at the guys that are smashing, you know, uh, franchise records or doing this, that, and the other. Fed Fred Van Fleet, you know, 54. Like, where's that guy come out of? And, I, and as a guy that's never scored that many points in a basketball game and never will, I'm not going to disrespect it, but the rules have changed. So those guys are getting 50 consistently, 
you know, and that's Luca, you know, can put those numbers up and their teams are losing Bradley Beal, one of my favorite players, like get him some help, man. But I think, you know, as things are going, um, I think the NBA really wants the Pelicans to be good and they, they don't know how to sell Donovan Mitchell um, and Rudy Gobert in the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake City to the national audience. But we can all get behind Zion. Okay, so you segue that perfectly because what I wanted to bring up is a conversation I had with my friend uh, Michael Lohman a while ago. He's part of SB Nation and he works out of Salt Lake City. Uh, so he follows the jazz most closely, right? We had a conversation a while back about exactly this, how the, the you know, don't want to just say the mainstream media, but the, the sports media in general at ESPN in L.A., uh, they follow the big markets. They follow the teams that a the NBA wants to promote, like the Pelicans, uh, like Zion, like you're saying, the upcoming stars that are different and are dynamic enough that are gonna they think will draw in audience and ratings, uh, for for better for you know better money that way, or you know in LA teams like the Lakers are always obviously they have LeBron and AD right now, but even before that they were getting coverage that just seemed like why is this why is this the one getting the attention. I do feel like if you looked at individual teams, you have so many nice stories about other stars, about, you know, players like Luca who doesn't get nearly enough attention for the work that he's doing until he, you know, he has these highlight games, but then you see it's like, again, like you mentioned, why are the Mavs kind of getting some of these headlines as a losing team and you're skipping over, you know, uh, Gary Trent, I, I, we mentioned him a little bit earlier that obviously he's not the same kind of uh, highlight name or superstar, but he, his production, his, upcoming story has been a really fun thing for Blazer fans to follow and it's hard to imagine that you know national outlets couldn't get a little more variety in there uh you you do start to wonder about what kind of shake it gives small market teams what kind of uh influence is there in that the general fan you know the 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 basic fan who's just getting into the NBA is going to see a whole lot of coverage of of these certain teams uh and big markets and certain stars and not have any idea about what else is out there well, yeah, and I think I forget the exact number, but at the beginning of the season when all the games were released, all the good games are on TNT, which I love. Um, but also, if you look at the Miami Heat, who were in case people forgot, I know they're not playing well right now, and they lost to the Wizards last night, but they're in the West East, they're in the NBA Finals last year, and they've got a, only a hand, they played on the eleven o'clock slot on Christmas Day, which is absolute disrespect. The first ever team to that close <laughs> in the finals the year before, like they, but similar, they just don't know how to market some of those. You know, Jimmy Butler. You can see how the narrative shifted on him in the bubble. Um, you know, and things like that. It's just, I think, and it's hard to cover some of those storylines because people don't want to have the patience, unfortunately. Um, but even Dame, I feel like, you know, I'm originally from Iowa. I've been living in Portland for six years, so I talk to people all over. And some people know how good Dame is, and some people think, well, uh, you know, what has he done? Well, he's been to the Western Conference Finals. He lost to KD, Steph, and Clay. Like, there's no fault in that. <laughs> he's played well. Like, they're like, Supermax, what? Like, you know, so I think. And it's hard, but I think the great thing is with social media, as you've mentioned, there's a great little community of people out here that do it. But there's also things like The Athletic where you can follow teams. They've got dedicated podcasts. There's podcasts about every team on multiple platforms, yours as well, um, similar to this one, that you can kind of find what you want. That is the great thing about 2021. Um However, it is kind of discouraging when, you know, obviously LeBron went to Cleveland. The stars still drive it, but the variety of stars 
is, you know, we've been selling Giannis for a few years and won an MVP, but he has he been to the final? Like, how well has he played, you know, in some of these big moments in his free throws? And obviously Shaq was a superstar that couldn't make free throws. And I hope we don't go back to the hack of Shaq era, you know, a few of a few years ago where they're just taking people out of the game because they can't play. But as different storylines and things change, I think it's important that, you know, sometimes we keep our eye on the standings and having things like league passes pretty tremendous to have because you can see the variety of teams. Whereas if you're, you know, got YouTube TV and just watching the basics, you know, you're never seeing so many teams. If you only have ABC and, you know, the basic stuff, we'll get some friends and find a YouTube account. But, you know, I think as the storylines and things shift, you, you know, you can find what you want, but the, you know, a little bit of the nuance has been missing as of late. So anyway, um, I think Rob, I've got to run here. Uh, my, my puppy Larry is not feeling it right now. He's just looking at me like, hey, buddy, it's time to go for our walk. We're hitting the dog park. Um, oh, sorry, so, Larry. Uh, once again, Keith, if anyone wants to get in touch, let's, what's all of your socials for your show and then your personal course uh you can always find us at trailcasters reach out there we take questions we take uh questions or emails at trailcasters at gmail.com uh on all the episode it helps us just kind of uh guide the topics you can also find me at rip city keith uh on twitter i'm I'm on there a fair bit here and there i've kind of had some some gaps in the coverage as life gets at you recently my wife and i are in the the middle of a move so you know things always slow down a bit but yeah at trailcasters and at rip city keith please reach out Absolutely. Make sure you hit like and subscribe on, and I'm assuming that's available on any podcast platform. Absolutely. Yeah. We're on, uh, every platform that I have found so far. And if you find one that doesn't have us, let me know and we'll work that one out too. Absolutely. And yeah, as always, make sure you're following us, um, at blazing the path and my, uh, socials at coach J Lincoln. Um, any questions you have your boy, Rob Heath on Twitter, if you want to get it, Rob, um, you can get any of us on Twitter or tweet at the show. We love those fan questions. Um, and with that being said, Keith, really appreciate the time. I know Rob had, is having some technical difficulties, but I know he was very excited and very appreciative of you making the time to come on to the show. Um, and hopefully um, we'll be talking about some Blazers victories here. And um, I hope my betting record selfishly stays good, but I hope I'm wrong about some of my predictions. <laughs> well, thank you both, Joel and Rob, for having me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, it was really nice to uh, when Rob reached out and really appreciate all the work we've done to make this happen. I'd love to come back anytime too. Uh, let's let's do this again. Absolutely. And yeah, thank you, Rip City, for tuning in. Um, and we will be recording our next episode a week from today. Go fight win. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing the Path, a Portland Trailblazers podcast hosted by Rob Hetherington. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for weekly episodes.